Good oral health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more. And we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about sleep. We all need sleep to function. Sleep has a critical role in promoting health. Not getting enough sleep has been linked to a number of problems, ranging from chronic disease to psychological problems. Roughly 35% of Americans get less than the recommended seven hours of sleep. Research over the past decade has documented that sleep disturbance has a powerful influence on risk factors of disease and the occurrence of progression of several major medical illnesses, including cardiovascular disease, cancer, depression, anxiety. Chronic sleep deprivation over time has been linked to brain disorders such as schizophrenia, and Alzheimer's. 10 to 30% suffer from sleep disorders, insomnia, and sleep apnea. In children, lack of sleep has been shown to increase anxiety, hyperactivity, and disruptive behavior. In reality, getting just one hour less of sleep per night across several days has adverse side effects on a child's behavior in school. Sleep-related problems affect 25 to 40% of children and adolescents. The acquisition of sleep patterns characterized by later bedtimes, insomnia, excessive daytime sleepiness is related to poor school performance, daytime drowsiness, physical tiredness, and a high rate of psychiatric illness. Getting more, better sleep isn't a matter of just going to bed early or sleeping in. It turns out that diet and breathing contribute to good or bad sleep. Some people can even pinpoint food or beverages that contribute to poor sleep. The obvious ones that can interfere with sleep are coffee and alcohol. Persistent mouth breathing affects stomach functions along with the effects of academic and social life of children. Sleep-related problems and behavioral symptoms similar to that found of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder known as ADHD can be present in mouth breathers. Children that have been diagnosed with ADHD had more parent-reported problems in terms of emotional control, behavioral, mental health, and self-esteem. In addition, the problems of the children with ADHD had significant impact on parents' emotional health as well, as well as less time meeting their own needs, lack of sleep interfered with family functions and family cohesions. Parents and children with ADHD are reporting that it's affecting the quality of life. And this is actually increasingly gaining more attention as parents learn more about the connection to sleep breathing disorders. The aim of treatment for ADHD is to decrease the symptoms, enhance function, and improve well-being of the child and the people that they're closest to. However, the measurement of treatment is often a response of measuring symptoms and using behavioral rating skills and checklists by teachers and parents. Because much of the focus has been on symptom reduction with ADHD, there's less known about other possible related health problems. When I first started my journey in the dental field, my knowledge was based more on focusing in the mouth. 
But what I've come to find out is that our body is complex, made up of many different systems that all work together. Yet modern healthcare treats them separately and generally only treats symptoms, which is what I feel ADHD is. And my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD, but I knew she wasn't sleeping and she only behaved that way when she was tired. What I found now is the stomatonathic system is a big word, but it describes how the teeth, gums, bones, jaw joints, tendons, muscles of the head and neck, the suspensory muscles that allow our head and our posture to keep us awake, alert in the feeding position allows us to feed and swallow and breathe better. All of these functions day in and day out, we take for granted, but they're all part of systems and that we have a great responsibility for. And again, when I started out, I wanted to help reduce the number of kids that have cavities because cavities are the number one preventable childhood disease. What I found out through learning all this stuff and going down this rabbit hole is that it's not just about the teeth and gums. And that's where I initially focused on because that's where my training was. But once I started practicing, especially practicing myofunctional therapy, I've been seeing more and more what is really going on through all of this training that I've had. I realized that it's so much more. And this information is not new. It's just not being taught. So unless you have a child or you have a reason to go down this rabbit hole, you don't even know about this stuff. I've been a dental hygienist for over 30 years. My daughter's dad was a dentist. None of us knew about this stuff. And it's crazy because the evidence shows that good sleep patterns are vital to achieving oral health and that mouth breathing and diet are some of the main reasons that we're not getting a good night's sleep, but yet we're not talking about this. We're not coordinating this. So, I mean, let's talk about what a good night's sleep looks like at each phase and why sleep is so important. And then we'll loop back around to connect some of these things. So first, in order to get the best night's sleep, you're supposed to be breathing in and out through your nose at night. And then you go into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest, which is ideal to heal our bodies. And when we're sleeping is when our bodies heal. If you cannot breathe well through your nose, you're congested, your tongue is falling into the back of your throat, blocking your airway, whatever reason it might be, this is going to actually send your brain into survival mode or fight or flight. It's the first thing that we have to do in order to survive is be able to breathe. And if you can't breathe, your brain keeps you waking up and moving around at night to try to get more oxygen. You may not actually wake up. You might just toss and turn, kick the sheets off, wet the bed, get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Whatever your body does to wake you up to try to get more oxygen, it kicks you back into stage one of sleep. And every time you move back into that stage, it disrupts the sleep cycle. So you're supposed to go through four stages of sleep, stage one, stage two, stage three, and which is deep sleep and then REM. The two main types of sleep are REM, rapid eye movement, and non-REM. And non-REM has three separate stages. You cycle through non-REM and REM sleep multiple times during a typical night if you're going through those cycles correctly. Each one plays an essential role on maintaining your mental and physical health. You usually start your sleep cycle in stage one, non-REM. You pass through the other stages and follow a short period of REM sleep. Then it goes back into stage one. So stage one is a full cycle, takes about 90 to 110 minutes. Ideally, you need four to six cycles of those sleeps 
every 24 hours to feel rested. So that's why generally they want you to sleep seven hours on average. So between the times of 10 and 2 a.m., the body goes through a dramatic process of physical repair. Roughly between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. is when the body goes through a psychological repair. So disrupted sleep patterns can cause the cortisol to elevate and negatively affect the regenerative process that takes place in your body during these sleep cycles. So non-REM stage one is a short period that begins from transition to awake to light sleep. Your heart rate, your breathing rate, your eye movements begin to slow down and all your muscles relax. Your brain waves will start to slow as well. Then you move into non-REM stage two. During this stage of sleep, you maintain a period of light sleep before reaching deeper sleep. Your heart rate and breathing continue to slow as does your body temperature. It decreases and your muscles relax even further and eye movement will stop altogether and brain waves will continue to slow, but you'll have quick bursts of electrical activity. Stage three non-REM occurs in longer periods throughout the first half of the night. Your heartbeat is slow, your breathing is slow, your brain waves are slowing, and they're at their lowest level of activity during REM stage three. And then you move into REM sleep, which occurs within about 90 minutes after falling asleep. During this stage, you have rapid eye movement, hence its name. And then brain activity is closer to the same type of activity during the waking hours, which may explain why most of our dreams take place during REM sleep. Our breathing and heart rates increase and our arms and legs will become more paralyzed to prevent you from acting out your dreams while you're dreaming them. This stage is believed to be essential for cognitive functioning, including learning, creativity, and memory. Multiple studies show both humans and animals that have been deprived of REM sleep interfere with their memory formations. So memory problems are associated with loss of REM sleep due to overall sleep disruption. And since these occur together, that explains why lack of sleep actually increases your chance of Alzheimer's. So a lot of people with Alzheimer's might not have been sleeping well during their life. The amount of time spent in each of these phases is going to vary between individuals, and it's also going to depend on your age. But during a solid night's rest, your body will go through four or five 90-minute to 110-minute cycles, stages one through three and REM. These cycles occur closer to falling asleep and may have longer stretches of deep sleep in proportions spent in REM sleep near the morning is when a lot of this REM sleep occurs. But now that we know why sleep deprivation is dangerous and how the nocturnal brain functions during rest and how it cycles through these sleep stages, we can dive into why we need sleep in the first place. Many people wake up feeling tired, even though they think they've had enough sleep, but it's likely due to you've had insufficient deep sleep or REM sleep. So while these stages are happening, they are essential to your overall well-being. And believe it or not, sleep is like food to the brain. So although we're putting food in, what happens to our body at night and how it processes is going to be really important. So sleep feeds your brain. And that's why you've heard that most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep at night in order for their body to help transform the food that you've eaten during the day into energy. And when the body doesn't correctly produce this, it stores more fat and it has a different insulin process. And without adequate sleep, insulin drops by more than 30%. So it may slow your 
your metabolism, causing the body to hang on to fat. It might cause metabolic hunger. Sleep deprivation causes metabolic hunger, but sufficient sleep helps lower cortisol and process insulin more effectively. When you have lack of sleep, you crave sugar because it's a dopamine hit and your insulin is not balanced. Sleep not only feeds our physical body, but it feeds our minds in a way that connects with our emotional health. This is when we have our memories set. So rest and sleep are also going to help regulate our emotions. Have you ever felt extremely irritable after a poor night's sleep? There's a reason for that. During sleep, brain activity is responsible for regulating your emotions. The amygdala, the medial prefrontal cortex, and the hippocampus all light up when you rest. And this is the part of the brain that's responsible for our fear responses. So when faced with a threat, the amygdala controls the reactions to stressful situations. When you don't get enough sleep, that fear kits in. If you're getting proper amounts of sleep, the amygdala functions in a regulated manner. When you're sleep deprived, it's overstimulated, causing you to feel off balance. So you're going to be more susceptible. You're going to react quicker. So that explains the connection between anxiety, mental health, and sleep. Sleep disturbances worsen and contribute to mental health conditions when you have poor sleep patterns because it's going to make you irritable. It's going to make you feel bad. However, sleep doesn't just restore and regulate parts of the brain like the amygdala. It restores the entire body. Sleep helps provide the body with a chance to repair itself, boost the immune system, repair damaged tissues, grow muscles, retain memories, and so much more. Certain growth hormones are released during sleep. Without adequate sleep, the body can't function properly and maintain itself. So sleep actually provides nutrition to the brain. Sleeping too little causes stress, causes hormones like cortisol to spike, signaling your body to conserve more energy throughout the day. So if you're never getting into that deep sleep and you always stay in light sleep, even though you're in bed for seven to 10 hours, you're still not getting the quality of sleep you need. So you're always in fight or flight. You stay in fight or flight when you sleep and you're not getting all those amazing hormones that are supposed to be released during deep sleep. So your body pretty much starts to break down as soon as you start to wake up. If you're not breathing well, you also can't reach that deep sleep because if you're not reaching all these stages of sleep, you're not healing and your body is affected and you're constantly being waken up because your body is trying to compensate and control it. And our body is amazing at doing that. And besides not getting enough growth hormone, there are other hormones that you need when you're sleeping because when you're not getting those hormones, you're going to crave and carve sugars, which might explain why you can't lose weight when you're not getting enough sleep as well. So the body doesn't get the nutrients that it needs. It doesn't get the hormones it needs to repair. And then you have that increased cortisol. Cortisol can make you hyper during the day. It can increase anxiety and depression, especially in young women. So it also then increases inflammation. It prevents you from losing weight because it's having you hold on to fat because you have too much cortisol and that's bad for you. Bedwetting has the same survival mechanism. Your body's not able to breathe properly and it doesn't regulate the way that it needs to. So our body releases everything it feels it's not important. So that makes some people wet the bed. It makes some people sweat. It's just your body's way of releasing. And that's why you wet the bed. Again, I didn't know this when my daughter was little. I wish I had understood more about that now. Kids can be hyperactive due to lack of sleep and misdiagnosed with ADHD as they could have a sleep breathing disorder or sleep apnea. For it to be sleep apnea, you have to stop breathing for at least 10 seconds at a time 
time in order for it to be considered apnea. And a lot of people don't actually stop breathing. They just kind of wake up or toss and turn. So while a sleep study would show apnea every single time it happens, it may not show arousals that are usually what's happening to interrupt our child's sleep. So a sleep study is not always recommended. And that's where you would want to ask your dentist or whatever provider you're seeing that is talking about sleep issues. So arousals kick you back into stage one sleep and you're not getting the benefits of sleep. You're getting less oxygen to your brain. And that's why your body is doing all these compensations because you are starving yourself and your body and your cells and your organs of this essential oxygen. So some animals even lose their ability to maintain their immune functions and die after weeks of sleep deprivation. Some humans are one of them. We can't go too long without sleep. So that's why sleep is really important. Not as important as oxygen because we can't live, we can live a little longer without sleep than we can without oxygen. Extreme sleep deprivation messes up with our immune system and it causes inflammation across our body. As a result, our risk of developing infections worsens and that can actually worsen some chronic illnesses. So without the restorative stages of sleep, we can't learn as well. We can't process our memory as well and our body just doesn't function. Neuroplasticity at night shows us that sleeping and dreaming actually help clear out unnecessarily memories so we can remember vital, important information. So all this stuff is happening during our sleep. You can see how important it is. In fact, sleep is tied to memory processing issues. Another study on sleep proved that the lack of proper sleep reduces learning efficiency and messes with brain synapses. So now you can see why your children might have some problems learning, why they might have hyperactivity. These synapses are tiny connections between the neurons and they work with neurotransmitters to pass electrical signals from one neuron to another. During the day, our synapses are fired, ready to respond to any stimuli we experience. So as with sleep, these synapses power down, helping us feel restored, renewed when we're awake and help us be at higher capacity. Without this restorative sleep, these synapses function too long. They hinder neuroplasticity in the brain, creating new connections, and then we're not learning or processing as well, and it also makes us short. So you can see we need sufficient sleep in order to learn, function, and process properly. Strangely enough, sleep becomes fragmented. Even it's easily preventable, just as snoring and mouth breathing and cavities. But all of this is linked to how we breathe and how we sleep. So if we want to decrease sleep deprivation, we need to address sleep disordered breathing. We need to address the causes, snoring, clenching, grinding, bedwetting. These are all a good place to start when we're looking. As we've learned, our quality of sleep is tied to our quality of our lives. Mouth breathing at night causes snoring, leads to poor oxygen exchange, fragmented sleep, in severe cases, sleep napia, and other health conditions. Proper airway health and breathing techniques can drastically improve our well-being. Putting an end to mouth breathing during the day requires some extra attention on our breathing, but what about at night? Our subconscious mind takes over. So we can't actively pay attention to our breathing at night, but we can during the day. So it's easy for us to make sure how we're breathing at night. That's a lot of times why we recommend mouth taping to basically keep our mouth shut when we're asleep. And I also have a video on mouth taping that you can look. It's proven that Mouth taping is a proven solution to snoring that helps us get adequate sleep by staying healthy and functioning properly. 
So it's going to be important that you look into some of these things. All of our muscular and our upper airway is at its peak during deep sleep. So we don't expect any sort of airflow limitation and we shouldn't see any volume reduction during deep sleep. So we know if there's an architectural problem, meaning you don't have enough room for your tongue and it's blocking your airway, it's going to create a breathing issue, which then is going to create a sleeping issue. So when we put our children to sleep, we want to look and make sure that they're quiet that they're not moving, that they're not tossing and turning. You can take a video of your child about 90 minutes after they fall asleep and see, do they have their mouth open? Are they grinding their teeth? Are they making any sounds? They should not. And a lot of times children will move their teeth forward and grind to get their tongue out of their airway or they'll sleep with their butt up in the air. And approximately three out of every 10 children will grind their teeth during their childhood, according to Dr. Boyd. While many children will outgrow this habit, it can cause damage to tooth enamel or chip their teeth, and they can carry these problems into adulthood and how they function. Some children that grind their teeth during the day when they're angry, stressed, depressed, they have something else that happened. And a lot of times it happens during sleep and we don't even know it. Teeth grinding can leave your child waking up with earaches, headaches, sore jaw, cranky. They can have dark circles under their eyes. And most parents don't even notice this. And they put their kids to sleep and they go to another room. So they don't see what's happening when their kids are sleeping. So staying attentive will give you great insight on what's happening with your child. Listen to what's happening when they're sleeping. Do you hear noises? Are they rubbing their teeth together? Are they snoring? What's happening? Are they stopping sleeping? Are they closing their mouth? Is their mouth open? What's happening with their pillows? Are they wetting the bed? These are all things to note, especially when your child wakes up. So if they're complaining about any of these things on a regular basis, it's a good idea to see an airway orthodontist, to see Dr. Boyd appear in Chicago, and to check what's going on with their teeth so we know what action is required to protect your child's smile and their health. Another common complaint is pain on chewing. So if it hurts when they're eating, that's another thing to look at. So again, while most children outgrow teeth grinding, it's important to monitor your child's habits. You can help prevent damage to their teeth. You can give them a retainer. We can give them a myomachi. We can give them a football guard, something to wear like you would wear if you're playing um, a game. Parents can work on reducing their child's stress before bedtime, making them feel calm, relaxed, at ease. This will also help reduce the grinding. And when we reduce the stress, sometimes that will go away. So understand the relationship between sleep, between the neuroscience, between the autonomic pathways, and the connection that sleep has with the immune system is going to be key to a happy, healthy life. The connection, the body and the mouth is way under discussed. There needs to be more awareness about this because we can prevent a lot of these illnesses if we know what to look for sooner. If we want our kids to not suffer the same fate as the parents and the grandparents or grow up needing a CPAP machine. Many of the illnesses we see today have to do with lifestyle choices. So knowing better, we can do better. You don't know what you don't know. I wish I knew this sooner. I could have helped more people. Now that I know what I know, I'm making changes to protect myself, my daughter, my daughter future, my grandchildren's future, and my great-grandchildren's future from experiencing the same issues that this generation is experiencing. Some of what we see is genetic, but a lot of it is epigenetic. So changing these habits can change our lives. And now we know that if we intervene sooner and we do some of these preventive measures through awareness and sharing this information, we can have healthier lives. So if you watch your loved one or you know that there's some of these problems or you see these signs and symptoms and you would like more help, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me to discuss your concerns. And when we know better, we can do better. We can breathe better. We can sleep better. 
And I can help you get to the people that can help you get down to the root cause of what is going on and why you're not sleeping or breathing. If this was helpful, please share it to a loved one that you know might be experiencing these symptoms because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a happy, healthy life. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.